People in Georgia, we have some people in Georgia, Michigan, around the country. We're so grateful for you. We bless you. We honor you. And uh, we just thank God for you. And we pray that God continues to use this church to influence you and impact you. So we're talking about prayer. And um, very common prayer. Anybody know this prayer? Ready? Say it with me. Our Father. Come on. Say it. Come on. Keep going. Here we go. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Come on, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom. That's right. Power and the glory. Amen. So this is a prayer. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And the whole point of this, this is probably a very powerful key uh, to the kingdom. And the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them to preach. He didn't even ask them to teach them to worship, but they did ask him to teach him, them to pray. And this was because of the observation that they had made by being with him for three years, that everywhere Jesus goes, he goes and prays, then does miracles, then we go to the next place, he prays, then does miracles. And so they saw that there's something that the Lord is doing, that, that he's tapping into something, he's activating, he's releasing, these people say he's God. Yeah, but he's the, he, he, Jesus came as us. Jesus says, as he is, so are we in this world. Bible says greater works than these we shall do. Can I get a witness on that? Anybody here, right? We're charismatic. We believe in the power and the God, right? We believe the spirit of God is active and present today. Jesus is alive and well, and this Holy Spirit didn't leave, you know, at the, at the end of the apostolic age, if you will. He's here. He's present. And so they asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and what Jesus did is he gave them that prayer, which is often taken as just a simple prayer, when there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't know what to pray, pray that prayer. That would be kind of like how... How do I pray? I don't know. Pray the Lord's Prayer. But that prayer is actually a progression of power. It's actually a progression deeper into the places of prayer. So it's, if you look at it in, in terms of, of a segment or if you look at it in terms of a prayer outline, that's the original intention that Jesus was giving us. And so God, the Lord hides things not from us, but he hides things for us. The Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal the matter. It is the glory of kings and queens to search the matter out. So what is he saying? The Lord has hidden things. And it is, who's the kings and queens? Can I ask that question? If you're in Christ, you are a what? King and queen. Son and daughter. Exactly. And it is your glory or your honor to search out what the Lord has hidden. And so Jesus hides things in obvious places. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read. Uh, my daughter was just telling me this story about this verse. She said, I heard you quote my daughter. Shout out, Mariah. So uh, she's telling me, she said, I, just, just telling me this is just a way of discovery, right? I'm just talk, we're talking about how God hides things for us. She said she was listening to, I think it was uh, the Saturday night service before Easter, and she asked, I said the word Talitha Kumai, where Jesus raised the girl from the dead, and he said to her, you know, uh, rise, right? And so she, she said, you didn't explain it, Dad. You just said Talitha Kumai. She said, so she said, I've heard it before, but she said it was on my heart. So she asked the Lord, uh, you know, Talitha Kumai, and she started looking it up, and it means daughter arise. And so she just felt like the Lord was saying, daughter arise. And then she asked the Lord, she's like, practices what I teach her. I said, good girl, Mariah. She asked the Lord, what does that mean to me? And she just felt like God was showing her, take your place. Take your rightful place. Rise up to the position in who you are. Talitha Kumai. Come, arise. Daughter, arise. And that's one of the things, like, you read Talitha Kumai, but there's something even deeply hidden within that verse. There's revelation. There's insight into the word of God. There's, there's things that are there that are hidden not from us, but 
they're hidden for us. So this is important. And even the Lord's Prayer, there are things, there's an understanding of what Jesus is actually talking about with this prayer. It begins with our Father. So this is just going to run it through real brief. It's our Father. So this prayer begins with positioning, most importantly. It goes into worship, but we worship God as our Father, and then we position ourselves as sons and daughters. Why is that important? Because God is, everybody say it with me. Jesus has commanded us to pray for effect. That's right. That's right. I had a guy tell me one time, uh, God has not called you to be cool. He's called you to be effective. And he's like, now, if you can be cool and effective, all the better. But too often what happens within America is we compromise effectiveness for cool. And we have all the cool, man. We got, we're too cool for school sometimes. And we have all the cool, but we're lacking the effectiveness. The same thing happens even when we pray, is that we have all the fervency, the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. So a lot of times the fervency is there, but the effectiveness of the prayer, the effectualness of the prayer isn't there. And the effectualness of the prayer isn't there is because we don't understand the process that activates this stuff. We come before the Lord, and he's our father. He's not everybody's father. He's your father. If you're in Christ, he does, he is, the world doesn't get to call him father. People often argue, thank you. People often argue and they want to say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. And the sooner you understand this, Christian, the more you're going to understand how different you are. That We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. The Bible says to those who receive Christ, they are given the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. Those who are not in Christ do not have the right to call themselves sons and daughters. And the Lord does not recognize them as such. He recognizes them as created. He recognizes them as people. But he, the Bible says the bread is for the who? The children. The bread is for the sons and daughters. The promises are for the sons and daughters. The provision is for the sons and daughters. The favor is for the sons and daughters. Nothing fair about favor. We're not beneath in God's eyes. We are not average in God's eyes. We are exceptional in this world. That's what we are. The world sees us as diminished. The world sees us as valueless. But to the, to the Lord, his sons and daughters are the greatest treasure and the greatest gift the world has ever known. Why? Because we come forth from him, right? And so that's, that's really important. It's important that you understand that he's your father. Not everybody, what an honor we have to call him father. What an honor it is for him to, to give himself to us as father. He's the perfect father. He's not a failing father. He is the perfect father. If you, have a, if you have an ideal of what a perfect father looks like, Jesus exceeds it. Yeah? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead exceeds your ideal. And so it's about understanding that he's your father. It's about understanding that you're a son and daughter. I'm a son before him by the right and the blood of Jesus. His blood is in my veins and his name is upon me and I'm clothed in power. That's who I am. I know exactly who I am. Do you know who you are? Daughter, you know whose blood is in your veins? You say, my grandpa's? No, not your grandpa's. Not your granddaddy's. The blood of heaven is in your veins. Royal blood flows through your veins. The blood of the glorious king, the undefeated king is in your veins. His name is upon you, and you are clothed with his glory. No one is subdued. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The, only, the spiritual authority of this world lies with the church, lies with the individual Christian and the church corporate. We clue, we're clueless on what we're doing. God has given us things, and we don't know what to do. It's like we all have Ferraris, right? Bugatti, whatever your car is. I don't know, I don't know what your car is, what your dream car is. What is that, Coing Star? 
And then with that, that, is that a car? I don't know. It's Coinstar. I saw this guy building. I, I could never afford it. So I, it's like, why remember? Because that, that will never have uh, a 700000 I mean, someone's like, don't say that, Pastor. You can have a $700,000 car. I don't know if I would actually want to drive a $700,000 car, okay? I mean, but anyway, it, there's a car called Coinstar. So whatever. So like we're being gifted this amazing, powerful thing, and we don't know how to drive. Or we don't even know how to get in the car. Or we don't even know which end goes first and which end goes second. That's the equivalent of what God has given it to us. You have a, you, you've been given a Ferrari. You don't know how to drive it. You don't even know what a Ferrari is. God has given you such an extravagant gift in his spirit. God has given you such an extravagant gift in his name and in his power and in your identity. And people, I deal with, see Christians all the time. They're kind of like, oh, I kind of know this. But do, do you, no, no, you, it's not about knowing it. You can live this. This is, this is real. This is kingdom in real time. This isn't kingdom in the sweet by and by. This is kingdom in the rotten here and now, right? We have that ability, and, and it begins with understanding the honor that we have as sons and daughters, the privileged position we have as sons and daughters. Nothing fair about favor, man. I tell you that all the time. Nothing fair about favor. Nothing fair about favor. Hadassah, how many, Facebook, how many, how many YouTube views do you have on that video? 5.2 million. She did an act of service and an act of kindness for a woman, and she filmed it, and she put it on YouTube simply because no one would help this woman. Am I right? And Hadassah says, I'll help you. She's a, she has a salon, by the way. And so she helps this woman. <laughs> so if you need hair and highlights, there's your, there you go. <laughs> but she helps this woman just completely out of compassion. You know, it was a lot of work, was it not? Three days of work. She helps this woman with issues with her hair, and she takes three days of her own time. She films it. She just throws it up on YouTube to try to help other people that have the same issue. This is, how, this is what you do. And since she did that, she has over 5 million views on YouTube from that video alone. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the Lord. It's favor, right? It's favor, right? And it's favor. And people, people coming in from out of town. All over. She had people coming in from out of town. Flying on planes for her to help her, her to help them. She, it's right. She's booked into June, right? Right? What's my point? A heart, of a, a heart of a daughter doing an act of service in the name of love for just nothing more than kindness. And God takes that and turns it around and amplifies and multiplies. And you felt the Lord, you felt like it was the right thing to do, didn't you? It wasn't like, I don't want to do this. Right? People say, oh, this is another thing I get a lot. Well, I don't feel like doing it. And it doesn't feel comfortable to me. I said to a person the other day, and I was just telling them, I go, do you have any idea how many things I have to do that I don't feel like doing? You know? It's not about feeling. She didn't have this feeling about it. She, I didn't Yeah, she didn't have to do it. I didn't know how to do it. She didn't know how to do it. She said, I'm willing to try. And she just did it. Is that crazy? Nothing fair about favor. That's right. God will use these things. This is, again, just positioning as a daughter. God will use these things, speak to you, and if you'll listen to what he's saying and you'll hear the voice of your father, he's going to lead you into things that seem insignificant. An insignificant act of kindness done in secret that she just puts on YouTube. You don't guarantee to get 5 million views on YouTube. Believe me. Thank you. Anybody that works on YouTube, you're like, man, I've had a video up for five years and I think I got 30. I think I got 30 views, right? So it just the, the, the anointing on that video just, it just cascaded, you know, and the, the reciprocal effect. 
coming back to you. And you, I don't even want to get into it. I could probably talk about a half an hour about what, but I'm not. But I just want, I just came to me, so I want to share that with you. But when we pray, it's about identity. It's about a daughter. Do you, are you convinced you're his daughter? Is there anything fair about favor? That's right. No, there's not. It's about the favor of God. Right? And so she, 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 but it's about positioning. When we come to him and we position him in prayer, we got to have this mentality. What we do oftentimes is we just come, we, we come, we come like, like, like weekly before the Lord, right? We just, we don't come in our, in our right standing. That's why our prayers oftentimes don't have effect because we come with the would you, could you, should you, or we come with the why God, or if God doesn't say with me, Jesus, come on, does not recognize, you guys are going to know this by drill. He does not recognize victim prayers. Right? And he does not recognize beggar prayers. It's not that he doesn't hear the prayer. He doesn't recognize you. He's like, somebody's begging me. Who's that? that? That looks like your daughter. No, that's not my daughter. He doesn't recognize you as a beggar, and he doesn't recognize you as a victim. So when you play, oh, God, please, if you would, if you just would, if you're in a good mood and you feel like you want to help today, and God, if there's just any kindness in you, would you please? Pfft, nothing. Exactly. And when you go to him and you start asking him why, why is this happening to me? Oh, why, God, why, why is this happening to me? He's not going to answer you. He's not going to answer you. That, that's, it doesn't work like that because God doesn't see you as a victim. He sees you as a victor. God doesn't see you as a beggar. He sees you as a son and a daughter. That's why when we come to him, you have to position yourself correctly. Jesus leads out on the prayer that way. Why is he saying that? Because if you, want, if you want heaven to open to you, you've got to understand who you are. You've got to understand who you are. It's the key, one of the keys is identity. You're a son. You're a daughter. You come rightfully. I come before you, Father, based upon the blood of Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor that you are my Father. I stand nobly before you as your son, based upon my own merit. No, but based upon the spirit that you have given me and the, and the, uh, the forgiveness that you have given me through the blood of Jesus. You know, and I may go further. Your blood is in my veins. I would say the same thing. I say things like that. Your blood is in me. Your name is upon me, and I'm clothed with power. And I come before you in that manner. And you know what he does? He smiles. He says, that's my boy right there. That's my girl right there. That's right. He, he, his heart swells with pride and love, you know, with you when you understand who you are, when you know who you are. Identity and recognition is the key, the entranceway to the faith. Say, I don't feel like a son. It doesn't matter what you feel like. You didn't ask for the title. He gives it. That's what's important. Did you ask for it? Does anybody here ask for that? No, but he gave it to you. He calls you son. You don't call yourself son. What happens is, is that we, so this is what we call ourselves, and this is what the Lord calls us. You got to destroy what you call yourself, and you need to start aligning with who he calls you. You have to die to who you were born as in order to become who you are destined to be. If you will not die who you are born as, you will never become who you are destined to be. You have to die to that identity. You cannot lower yourself. I say this all the time. You cannot lower yourself beneath the standard that the Lord has established for you. You cannot do that. You can't. And you cannot allow another to lower you beneath the standard that God has set for you. I will not see myself in any other light than a son. I refuse. My actions are not who I am. My actions do not define me. I'm a son. God is not always in agreement with my actions. He's not always in agreement with my choices. I do dumb things. Can I get a witness? Anybody here? I say dumb things. Can I get a witness? Right? So, but those actions do not define me. I'm just a son who did a few dumb things. 
right? The, 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 God's not in agreement with that. We'll talk about that. We'll reconcile that, all that other stuff. But it doesn't deny my position. You cannot do that. You can't allow other people to define you. One of the reasons some, oftentimes Christians have to separate from their families when they get saved is because your family will not see you in any other light than when you grew up as. They can't see you that way. They, they, they don't understand you. You're always this person. You're always this. This is not Joseph. This is not Jesus, Joseph's son, the carpenter. They couldn't see him for who he really was. And a lot of times you're asked to be a distance there because you cannot fully claim your identity of other people. You know, and I'm not like asking everybody to go, you son of the highest. I'm not asking him for that. I'm not even asking. I'm asking for neutral. I don't really, you know, don't see me anyway, but neutral. But, don't, but do not put me in the box that I, have not, I no longer belong in. That's all I'm saying. So if you get what I'm trying to get at. But it begins with, then it begins with honor. Say this with me. Honor creates access. Our Father is in heaven. What's the next part? Hallowed, honored be your name. So we honor his name. Say this with me. In his name is my inheritance. You want to know every believer has an inheritance. Say this with me. My inheritance is not the same as my destiny. Come on. Come on. I know it's hard. My inheritance come on, is not the same as my purpose. Everybody, has the de- everybody here has an inheritance. You don't have to. Oh, say this with me. Inheritance needs to be activated. Say this. Destiny needs to be aligned with. Big difference. Your inheritance is there and lies dormant until you activate it. When you want destiny and purpose, you have to align with it and you have to pursue it. Difference. All believers have inheritance. We all do. Not everybody's activating it. What does that look like? Well, it looks like the names of the Lord, right? So in his name is my inheritance. He's Jesus. He's salvation. But he's Jehovah. Jehovah de Sidkenu. He's my righteousness. Righteousness is my inheritance. I stand right before God. I am right with God, not because I say so, but because he says so. And that becomes encompassed in my identity. So I'm free from what? So your inheritance looks like this. It looks like the names of the Lord, basically. It looks like the freedom from sin and its lingering effects. So it looks like righteousness. I'm free from sin, the eternal consequences of sin. And I'm also free from sin's lingering effects, which is the word Jehovah Makadesh, which is the one who sanctifies. So what happens? You get born again. This is, this is your inheritance. If you will follow, this cannot be denied to you. If you will follow the Holy Spirit, he will sanctify you. He will set you apart. That's what the word Makadesh means. His name is your inheritance. God's destiny over your life and his inheritance for you is that you not carry forward the lingering effects of a life you no longer own. That's his destiny for you. But so often that's what we do. We carry forward the lingering effects of the life that we used to know or the life that we used to have. Right? And so God will sanctify you. There's a lot of different ways he'll sanctify you. The washing, you have to renew your mind. You have to start thinking differently. Right? You have to start seeing things and perceiving things. And it's, a lot of it's about identity. Some of it's about wounds, pains, and traumas. There's issues with you that cause compulsive and reactive behaviors that the Lord wants to heal. There's a lot of things, but they will separate you from the lingering effects. It's yours by inheritance. It cannot be denied. It cannot. The only one that keeps you from your inheritance is you. Angels can't keep you from your inheritance. Devils can't keep you from your inheritance. People can't keep you from your inheritance. The only one that keeps you from your inheritance is you. And it's by the way that you think. Your perceptions, the way that you think, your unwillingness to engage or activate what belongs to you. Listen, it's foreign. Right? It's foreign. His world is foreign to us. It is. There's a greater reality that's his world. This is the lesser reality. And what we do is we compromise the greater reality and we set ourselves to serve the lesser reality. 
for me, I will, dis- I will compromise the entire lesser reality, and I, I want to go into the greater reality. I want to live from his world. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. On earth what? That's right. We're to live from his world. That's, that's, that's hard. Conceptually, like, we, we don't even really understand that. The church boxes that and frames it, and we make it like a little, like a poem. Jesus never said anything that he didn't mean. He didn't say anything that was merely poetic. His intention was never to be poetic. His intention was to be revolutionary. His intention was to be transformative. And only those that can understand what he was talking about actually get it. So we're, we're supposed to live from his world. So you have freedom from the lingering effects of sin. You have access this is one we can all de- we identify with. You have access to the fullness of his presence anytime, anywhere. You not only have access to the fullness of his presence, you have access to the fullness of the spiritual gifts anytime, anywhere. Yours by inheritance. It's the Holy Spirit, come. The glory will come upon you. Here's what we do. We are conditioned and trained to live like stoically, right? We live like stoic. Decency and in order, pastor. Everything's decency and in order. I told first service, I said, everywhere I read Jesus went, it was really messy. It was anything but decent and in order, right? So it's like, we know Jesus is in the room when everything is decent and in order. Everything is just like this and such and such and like this and like this. And everything is shuffled in and out with precision. We, we pride ourselves on our precisions. I know churches that run it to the second. They run it to the second. The band's all nervous because they're looking at the countdown clock on the, on the thing. Okay, we got three seconds left in the song. Okay, and end. Whew, that was precision. It was decent and it was in order. There's no decency. I mean, it's like, what? God calls, us, God calls us into the fullness of his presence. It belongs to you. You have access to the fullness of his spirit anywhere, anytime. The anointing is not based on you. Where's Margie? Is the anointing based on you, Margie? That's right. Margie prayed for a guy that was got in a motorcycle accident, all bent up, told you guys the story. Guys all laid out in the street, completely bent up. Neighborhoods out there. Lord starts dealing with Margie. She was coming from one of the classes we, we were teaching on healing. Was it fire starters? It was the healing school. All right, so she's coming out of the healing school. And so um, she feels the Lord prompting her to go and pray for this guy. And she's like, It was the healing class. Yeah, you didn't you? Yeah, the Lord says to her, didn't you just finish the healing class? Go pray for him. And she's like, I don't know. I can't pray for him. And then she said, she told me, she remembered that you said that the anointing is not based on me. And so she said, I went and prayed for him, and he got up. That's right. And then you said to him, right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes. Never be shy about giving Jesus glory. And so, and, and so you said to him, you need Jesus. You almost died. That's what she said. She said she, when the guy was sitting up, she looked at him and she goes, you need Jesus. You almost died. <laughs> but the manifestation of the healing is not based upon you. These signs shall follow what? Those who believe. Is that not what it says? These signs shall follow the religiously correct. Is that what it says? These signs shall follow the doctrinally aligned. Is that what it says? These signs will follow the moral superior. Is that what it says? Has no condition upon it other than the fact that you have faith and the spirit will move through you. You may not know how to do it. You may not understand how to do it. That's, she was in a school and she practiced probably something that she learned in the school and she saw the effect, right? This, this isn't super anointing. This is the anointing upon all believers. Now you grow into it. We have the gift of healing, right? We have the ministry of healing. 
That's the, you, you, take, you begin to learn the gift and you develop it into a ministry. Ministry is where it's more fluid with you, right? It starts moving through you. More, you get more fluidly and you get more confident at it. Like praying for the girl with brain damage. I mean, good luck, you know. <sighs> I mean, wh where did that come from? Well, I have confidence. I know Jesus is going to do something because he called it out. I didn't call it out. He did. I'm like, all right, sounds good to me. What do you want me to do? Boom. And he does it every single time. It's yours by inheritance. It belongs to you. You don't know how to manifest it. You don't know how to bring it forth. This is the church's problem. We make excuses for our weakness. We make excuses. Oh, God's not healing today. Who told you that? All the, he's retracted the gifts. I'm like, all of them? Oh, no, we still have the gift of leadership. We still have the gift of administration. And we still have the gift of helps. But the gift of tongues, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of the working of miracles, those are gone. But we still have leadership. The gift of, so, okay, wait a second. So you're trying to tell me that the whole basket, Jesus just cherry-picked and he left like three eggs, but he just took all the other ones and said no, right? It's kind of like, what? Where does, that, where, where does that come from? It's not in the Bible. You know, the power's active today. It's ongoing. The, prob, the church has become inert and the church has become incompetent in it. And rather than examining our processes, same way with prayer, why aren't our, prayer, why aren't our prayers have effect? Well, it just, we, just God doesn't want to do that. God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he has decided to not hear our prayers. <laughs> ask, seek, and knock. Did he not say that? If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open. Did he, did, he put, did he say he wouldn't do that? Did he say, unless it's in my sovereign will? If it's inside, as long as it's inside the sovereignty of my will, he didn't say that at all. They who seek, finds. Those who knock, will enter. Those who ask, will receive. So there, we ask, but we don't receive. It's because we're not doing it correctly. It's the same thing with healing. Well, we pray for the sick. And here's what he's done. I'm schooled in this. Well, Lord, if you just are in a good mood today, look upon sister so-and-so today, and I just ask, Lord, this is what it boils down to. Lord, what it boils down to is sister Susie here. She's not doing too well. And, uh, you know, she could use a little kindness, a healing touch if it's not too much from you, Lord. It's, if it's not too much, we just ask for that now. And... Uh, if Susie's pleasing in her eyes, we just want to ask you for that. And then the, other, then the other person comes in and goes, Oh, God, have mercy, please, have mercy. Have no effect. No effect. We don't pray that way. We activate what belongs to us. We activate, exactly. We activate what is ours by right of inheritance. And we push in until we see, the, until we see change. We push in until the hand of God moves through the atmosphere. We seek until his hand breaks in and we see it. And then we move forward. You have access to this. Who, who told you that? Told you that. You come to Firestarters. I think we're doing Firestarters in June or July, one of those months. If you want to come to Firestarters, you want to see the Holy Spirit, come to Firestarters. You're going to see the Holy Spirit. You can see, oh, what am I going to see? I don't know. What am I going to see? I don't know. This is come. Something's going to happen. You're going to prophesy. I can guarantee you that. You're going to see people get their hands, they're going to lay hands on the sick and see them covered. Amen. You know, you're going to see, you're going to, just listen, the Holy Spirit will show up. Yeah, the question is, is where are you? You prophesied day one. This guy here, he used to always think the prophets were these way out there people and that not every Christian could prophesy. I'm like, who told you that? It's yours by inheritance. There's the gift of the prophetic. Say it with me. There's the gift. There's the ministry. And there's the office. They're different. We have the gift of the prophetic. We have, then you take the gift of the prophetic and you develop it into the ministry of the prophetic. 
the ministry of the prophetic is for other people, right? So the gift activates the ministry of the prophetic, and then you can push it if you want and seek the office. They're like, well, how do I get into the office? Listen, the office of a prophet is just like the office of the evangelist, past, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and apostle. It's the same thing. It's a lifetime, it's a lifestyle over a lifetime. In order to manifest an office, you have to live a lifestyle over a lifetime, and the office will manifest. You don't just walk around, oh, I got the office of the prophet. Really? Does your lifestyle reflect that over a lifetime? That's how it happens, right? So some of you have callings on your life that are office-related, but you can't even manifest the gift, let alone you haven't even developed the ministry of it. So don't start talking to me about office until you've, you've activated the gift and know how to flow in the ministry of it. Once we've activated the gift and we're flowing in the ministry of it, well, then we can all talk about offices. Right? You hold the office of the pastor. Well, I tend to see myself more apostolic than that. Apostolic is take the hill. That's more my office. People, there are no apostles. People say that all the time. I'm like, where's that in the Bible? Well, we believe the apostles died with the apostolic age. It's not in the Bible. So this is, this is the hand of God. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The Bible tells us, humble yourself under the hand of God that you may be exalted in due season. The fivefold ministry offices are the gifts to the church. They're to be gifts to the church. The church is not a gift to them. They are the gift to the church. Let me just say that. All of you out there that claim offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, let me be very clear. You are a gift to the church. The church is not a gift to you. You understand that? You, you get that? It's quite often the opposite. Well, the, ch the church is the gift to the apostle. Well, who told you that? It's not in the Bible. The word minister is under rower. It's the guy below deck making the thing go. The pastor is the gift to the church. The teacher is the gift to the church. The evangelist is the gift to the church. It's not the people, the gift to the leader. It's the gift to the church. God gave gifts. Apostles, prophets to what? The gift, those are the fivefold office. They are gifts to the church to develop the church and grow the church into their fullness. That's the point. That's the point. But you can, do, you can, you can flow in it. I mean, it's taken me a lifetime. I know I have apostolic calling over me. I don't see that as anything more exalted than a, a uh, you know, I don't want to be a prophet. Prophets get punched in the face, so I don't know if you want to be a prophet, man. I mean, you want, that's a whole other, the office of the prophet, that is. But it's taken me a lifetime to start to develop what I felt has been called on my life for a long time. I, I can't honestly say I stand in the office of the prophet. I feel like I'm called unto that, and I'm doing everything that I can to manifest that. Apostolic calling is, it be, the word apostle simply means sent forth. It doesn't mean the great and mighty descended and ascended apostle. It's one of the fivefold gifts. And as a fivefold gift, the apostolic calling is to push the church further. That's the calling of the church, of the, of the apostle. The apostolic calling is to seek the highest and broaden the range of the church. That's what the apostle is called to do push it in every way possible. That defines me. I never identified with pastor, ever. I actually had people, I'm, I'm a decent pastor, but I, my calling is not a pastor. It's not my calling, I, and, and I'm okay with that. There are people here that pastor way better than me. Do you know what pastors are? They're the, they're the people that gather. They're the, they're, and, and look, I do it. I do it every week. I do it every Sunday. I do it all that stuff, but there's a ministry of pastors, a pastoral ministry that's really more, in, where, where it's more integral, where everybody, you know, let's take care of each other. Let's make sure all that's going on, and, and you know, that's more pastoral ministry. There are people here that do that better than me, 
but you stand in the office of the pastor. No, I stand in, the church can be led by other people other than pastors. Pastor just means shepherd. It means the one who keeps everybody together. The teacher's the guy that keeps all the decks and all the deck, the chairs on the deck in line, right? The the prophet is the one who calls forth. The evangelist is the one that reaches the unsaved. So those are the offices. If you get that, I don't know if you get that. Some of you have these callings on your life. You're called. You have ekkaleo. You're called into the gift. You're called into the ministry, and you're called into the office. You can be an evangelist and never stand in the pulpit of a church. You can be a pastor and never stand in the pulpit of a church. You can be a teacher and never stand in the pulpit of a church. You can be an apostle, an apostolos, and never sent. You can be sent forth. There are people that are sent forth doing works of God, great works of God, that are not really connected to ministry. Just are. Or pastors. I mean, you have people that are around the world that are, that are sent forth. We call them missionaries. So we've taken away apostle and we've given it another title, missionary. Apostolos. It's one that's sent. Another story. <laughs> You guys get anything out of this? Yes. All right. All right. My teaching app. I'm just like, so this is what happens, right? And so you, but you have access to the fullness of the presence and the spiritual gifts, and it's not dependent upon you. You've got to get that. The presence isn't, well, i got to come to repent, or God's going to take his Holy Spirit from me. Old Testament economy, New Testament economy, that is not in the Holy Spirit. That is not in the New Testament. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Old Testament economy was habitation. Or, visit, or visitation. So Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit went. The Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit went. So the prophets would walk around with a guy with a notepad and a pen. So Isaiah's walking around. He's probably got two or three scribes. And when he sensed the Holy Spirit come upon him, he's like, oh, you might want to write this down. And he would just start speaking. That's how the apostles, that's how the prophets spoke. Now we have the abiding presence, the Shekinah glory. You are the temple of what? The Holy Spirit, right? You are. You are. You, you are now the habitation. The abiding spirit of God lives within you. He's in you. So it's not, he's not leaving you because he's disappointed in you. He's not le- I'm not talking about conviction. That's not what I'm talking about. But the, the, but the access to his presence and the access to his power is not dependent upon you. It just isn't. People get their minds bent on this. They, they just go, I don't understand that because the church has taught these things that are not necessarily what is true. This is why you see pastors that do perform amazing miracles, do insanely different things, and they fall, right? They fall. And then it come to find out that that guy, was, that guy was partying and doing all kinds of crazy things on Saturday night and showing up on Sunday morning and doing miracles. And people go, well, how is that possible? How is it possible for him to party and do all these other things, you know, and do miracles? Those miracles must be false. That must be the wrong spirit. No, it's the right spirit. He's just manifesting his inheritance. You understand? God, he ultimately, the Lord is probably dealing with the brother to repent, but he won't listen. And so ultimately he disqualifies himself from the position because he keeps doing it. And then shame and all these negative things come upon him because he has done things outside of the context. But what the believer needs to understand, they say, oh, those miracles weren't real. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that at all. I know those miracles are real. I've seen them. I've been around guys that have like lived, you know, they've had a lot of issues on the back end that they haven't reconciled. <laughs> You know, and they manifest miracles, and I've seen the miracles. And when it all, when when unfortunate, the unfortunate issue. Listen, Jesus will give you always give you an issue. To, he'll always give you time to take it up. He's gonna say, Kevin, clean that mess up. He's gonna say, you Marty, clean that mess up. You know, you want me to use you publicly? You want me to use you this way? Uh, uh, you got to clean the mess up. The deception comes to the leader. This is what happens. This is how the devil deceives them: is that they do their partying, they do all their crazy, wild, reckless things, whatever they may be. And then they come and they manifest miracles. And then you know what they think to themselves? 
I must be exceptional. Jesus must need me. He clearly needs me. And God clearly doesn't have an issue with my lifestyle because look at what happens through my life. They don't understand that the inheritance is given regardless of your lifestyle. I've been witnessing. I've seen alcoholics perform miracles. I've seen drug addicts perform miracles. I've seen it. And if you want to tell me, well, that's a false miracle. It's not a false miracle. It's the same spirit. It's based, but they're activating inheritance. If you get this, do you understand this? They ultimately, what happened? They wouldn't repent, and so they disqualified their destiny. You get it? Inheritance, destiny. The destiny was for them to be used in a great and mighty way and to last 30 years doing this ministry. But because they couldn't reconcile their recklessness, the ministry still happened, but their destiny was disqualified. That's what happens. That's, that's how, this, that's how the, it happens. So you need to understand that. And I'm not telling you to go out and live recklessly and manifest miracles. Look, I can live recklessly and manifest miracles. I'm not saying that at all. Because God's going to deal with you. You don't want to deal with that, man. You don't want to deal with that. You don't want to deal with that. You don't want to deal with that. If you want to live that way, get out of the ministry and go, like, live somewhere. You know, go live on South Beach or whatever, San Francisco or wherever they, they live fancy free. But don't do it as, don't do it and hold the position in front of the, of the Lord. Because it won't last long. You might last five years. You might last ten years, right? But ultimately, it's going to, it, God, it's just going to happen, you know? And so, I don't know. <laughs> We're having a casual conversation here this morning, so I hope you're getting something out of this. And so we have access to the fullness. We have access to the overflowing life. This is your inheritance. God has not promised you desolation. Say it with me. Jesus has not promised me desolation. He's promised you an overflowing life. The word shalom means the water overflows the banks and, f- and fills and flourishes the land. God has promised you a life that flourishes. He's not promised you emptiness. He's not promised you barrenness. He's not. Bible says everywhere the devil is, he makes it a wasteland. So if it's a wasteland, it's not God's will. If it's a wasteland emotionally, it's not God's will. If it's a wasteland financially, it's not God's will. If it's a wasteland relationally, it's not God's will. If it's a wasteland with your future, it's not God's will. It's not his will. Your promise, your inheritance is an overflowing, flourishing life. God will overflow and flourish your life. That's what he's promised. He's promised you healing, Jehovah Rapha. He's promised you provision, Jehovah Jireh. He's promised you protection, Jehovah Nisi. He's promised you guidance, Jehovah Rohi. He's your shepherd. You need guidance? Yours by inheritance. Here's an easy one. You need wisdom, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom. I'm facing a lot this week. I need wisdom, I need discernment, I need you to help me. I'm asking you to help me with these decisions. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. He's going to give it to you. He's going to come right to you. He's going to come right to you. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. You ever said things that you're just like, you're thinking, is that me talking? Is that, is that, did I just say that? You know, Lord, help me with this. Lord, give me understanding. Lord, give me wisdom. And he gives it to you, does he not? It's yours. If you're a Christian, that cannot be denied to you. It belongs to you. Wisdom's yours. Wisdom's yours. He will guide you every step of the way. It belongs to you. Declarative intercession. So we go from positioning, we go from honor, honoring God for what is ours by inheritance. Then we go from declarative prayer. That's kingdom, or kingdom or declarative prayer. That's on earth as it is in heaven. This is what it means. When you read the context of that verse, the way it's, it's almost like you're putting your foot down. It's kingdom of God come and will of God be done. So we go from, we go from positioning we go from honor, which is our inheritance, then we go into declarative prayer. What does that look like over your faith? I just declare that, the, the, let's just take your family. Father, it's your will 
It is your will that my family flourish. It is your will that my family be, be together. And I just declare kingdom of God come, will of God be done in my family right now in the name of Jesus. You begin to declare the kingdom of God and the will of God. You may know exactly what the kingdom of God is. Let's look at another one. So we look at the five areas of your life. The kingdom of God in your life, your faith, your family, your finances, your friendship, and your future. You pray over these areas. This is why the prayers you can pray in and out of this prayer, but if you were going to pray down that line, I would tell you, pray over your future. Lord, I just call forth the vision over my life in the name of Jesus. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. I call forth the wisdom that is necessary for the vision over my future in the name of Jesus. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. You see what I'm doing? On earth as it is in heaven, you're calling forth the dominion of God into the areas of life. It's, you know what he wants. Let's look at this. So, th so that's your life, your faith, your family, your finances, your future, and your friendships. That's your life. Then you pray, kingdom of God come, will of God be done over the areas of culture. Right? What are the areas of culture? The church, the media, the government, the marriages, the arts, businesses, and education. What is God's will? It's God's will that uh, woe to those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's God's will that truth not be suppressed in the media. I just declare right now truth to come forth through the media in Jesus' name. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done, that you will raise up voices, you will raise up echoes, you will raise up stations, you will raise up all sorts of means of communication to bring truth. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. Amen. Why? It's his declared will. It's his declared will, that truth. What is his will? Righteousness, righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to every people. Father, I declare righteousness into our government. I declare what is right not to a people, not to a voting politic, but I declare what is right to you to be made known in the houses of our government. I command all of the, all of the darkness, all of the sin, all of the wickedness of men to be unrooted, not just exposed, but dismantled and destroyed. That's right. Yeah, you feel power. We got prayer people in the room. You feel power. So where are we going? We're going from positioning. We're going from access through honor. And boom, we're coming right in with kingdom dominion. Right? And you bring this dominion over your life and you begin to speak. It's a declarative portion. Then we come to this point today. So it's like marriages. It's arts. It's businesses. God, it's your will that businesses be succeed. I declare success over my business in the name of Jesus. I call forth clients for my business. I call forth the favor that is mine by inheritance. I call forth blessing. It is your will, Lord, that I prosper and be in health. I call forth that prosperity. I call forth that blessing. I call forth that health. You're calling it forth. You're summoning it. You're not commanding God. You're commanding in, his, in the authoritative position that he has given you. This is where everything starts to change. But what we do, we, play, we, play, we pray like weak, invalid Christians. We're weak, invalid sons and daughters. Anemic. Anemic. Oh, God. Well, must be your will, Lord, that the schools are just shut down to the gospel. So, Father, if you just have mercy in some way that maybe some soul would ever get sick or some soul would ever need Jesus, that you, we, we just pray weakly and we pray, we pray like anemic. We're clothed in power and we pray like, like we, we're pathetic. We, 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 we shake no one. Our prayers have no effect. No effect. It's God's will that the education system be centered in him. 
somewhere, somehow. And people say, I, had, I was telling us the first service, I say, well, the education is shut, the public schools are shut down to the kingdom of God. You can't go in there and witness, and you can't, and you know, the prayer's not allowed in school, and they don't teach the Bible, Pastor, blah, 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 blah. Listen, Jesus doesn't have, a, Jesus can work around institutions all, he, all day long. All day long. Anybody remember Russia? It was called the Iron what? Right, Iron Curtain, wall, yeah. Jesus walked in and out of the Iron Curtain at will. You understand that? They're persecuting and have been destroying Christians in China. China's response to the Christian right now is that we don't agree with it, but we may as well stop doing it because it's not doing any good. They, the, Lord is, the Lord can take a totalitarian regime and he can do a work there. He can take a totalitarian school and he can do a work there. Where's your faith? There's a guy named Brian Barcelona and he began to believe God for schools. And he asked for the worst schools in Los Angeles County. And he said, I want those schools, Lord. And God gave him a vision and showed him the end. And God was showing him that they could, do a Bible, they could do a Bible club. If a student and a teacher sponsored it, they could do a Bible club. And they were free to invite people to the club. You can still do it here in, in our public schools, too. They have to allow you. And so he began to do these Bible clubs. And he said, I'll tell you the two quick, two quick stories. He went to this one principal, and he said, hey, I'm, I'm, my name's Brian Barcelona, you know, and I'd like to do a Bible club here in the school, so I'm looking for maybe a student or a teacher, and he said the principal was really dismissive of him, like, no, nah, man, we don't do that here. No, nah, we don't want you here. And Brian's like, okay. He said, is there anything I can do for you? And the guy laughed, and he said, yeah, you could paint my office. He said, you want your office painted? And the guy goes, yeah, and he goes, give me two weeks. He said he went back there with a bunch of students. He said he painted that principal's office, and they made it tight. This is his words. He said, we made it tight, you know? <laughs> And so he said he came back, and then um, probably like the next semester, the next round, um, whenever the window was, he went back, and the guy, the guy said, you know what, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, right? And so then the second time, he, then there's another school that he went to, and he went to the principal, and the principal's just like, you know, I don't know, man. He's like, I'm looking for a student, but he said, and the principal's like, well, you need a teacher. And he's like, do you have a teacher? And, and the guy's like, I don't know. And he said, the secretary goes, Mrs. Wong, in class, she's an Asian woman, and Mrs. Wong in room whatever. And so he's like, go up and talk to her. And he said, he went upstairs, he knocked on the door, and this little, like, like Asian woman came to the door. She said she stood there and looked at me. He's like, hi, I'm Brian Barcelona, and I'm here. I'm looking for a teacher to sponsor a Bible club in this school. And she said, he said he got that sentence out. She said he, she leaned into her classroom and said, I'll be back in 15 minutes. She closed the door. She said she walked him down the hallway. She looked at him and said, I've been praying for you for 10 years. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Anybody want to believe God for something like that? Yes. Right? If you're a teacher, begin to believe God that God's going to infiltrate that school, that God's going to bring someone there. If you're somebody and you got a heart, do that. He says he started, then he tells the story of how he um, was talking to the students and he was trying to get the students, what do you believe in God for? Because he's doing the Bible club. He's like, I got six kids. This is what he's telling me. I got six kids in this Bible club. And so I'm like, hey, what's the big vision God's going to give you this year? And one girl said, I'm believing that God's going to fill the entire assembly hall and you're going to speak to the entire assembly hall. And he thought, oh, okay, that's cool. All right, whatever. And he said he just was really dismissive of it. You know, but he said, I can agree with that. But he's like, I got six kids here. By the end of the school year, they, they, they had filled the entire assembly hall, and Brian was speaking to the whole assembly hall. That's right. You don't think God wants to do something? You don't think he wants to reach people? His, the, the, the harvest is white, the workers are few. And nobody has faith to believe this. We accept things. We capitulate. We surrender the media. We surrender the arts. We surrender the business community. We surrender the schools. We surrender. And we make all these excuses. All these excuses. 
So I said, what happened when, in Solomon's time is that the queen of Sheba came from the south. And she said, the half has not been told. She was impressed by the art. She was impressed by the design. She was impressed by the manner of the people and the dress that they wore. Read it. She wasn't impressed by his money. She was impressed by the servants. She was impressed by the, by the beauty. She was impressed by the wonder and all of the beauty that was going on there. And she was like, everything I've been told isn't even half of what I'm seeing. We surrender these areas. Somebody needs to have fresh eyes and fresh faith and begin to believe God to do the impossible. But guess what? It's going to come wearing work clothes, people. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to sweat a little. You're going to have to stretch your faith. You're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to do whatever it takes. That's the end game. Guys, like you want you painting your office will help me get influence with you. You know, and he wasn't thinking that way, but I'm sure he had that in his mind. Let me serve this guy. Let me show him that I mean no harm. And so he served the, the principal, and within six months, he's in the school. Yeah? Crazy stuff. You guys should look him up. Brian Boschalone. He's got a big ministry. Look at his assemblies. Monster huge. And he started off with five kids, but he stayed with it, and he kept doing it. He kept doing it, and he did it on his own money. I don't have the money. The guy did it in his, part, in his spare time. He didn't do it with, no, he didn't do it with money. He didn't, have, he didn't have some massive donation. He's got funding now, but he didn't have any funding then. He just did it. Don't surrender these areas. Pray into them. Believe God. Demonstrate faith. Go for it. Supplication. So God, we just don't surrender these areas, man. Don't surrender these areas. Believe God. Supplication. This is the part that I said all that to get to this. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. Right? So give us this day our daily bread. We pray that. Give us this. Lord, just give us this day the few crumbs that belong to us. Give us this day our daily bread. Let me give it to you what it says. And actually, if you take the Greek and you pull it out, this is what it says. Bestow upon me the provision that is mine daily. So give us this day our daily bread. In the Greek says, bestow upon me the provision that is mine daily. I mean, you can see the similarity, but you can also see the intention of the translation. Like there's like this, I don't know, it's just this whole thing. But God is saying to you, when, what happens when you go to bestow? The king is the one who bestows. So what's happening here, when we come before the Lord and we do this prayer, then we come to him, and this is the prayer of supplication. So we have this, we have this positioning, we have this honor, we have this declarative prayer, and then we come into this place where supplication. Bestow upon me the provision that is mine daily. You can intercede for other people, all these different things. But when you go to bestow, you have to come in front of the king. If a king is going to bestow something on you, you have to present yourself, do you not? This is the point. We have to come before him in order for him to bestow. So what does it look to you? Father, I just come before you and I just receive the bestowment of the provision of wisdom that is mine today. I receive it. You know, you just come before him and you get the bestowment of the provision that is yours. What is it that you need? You have to come before the king. This is the key. The key is coming before him. You can't mail it in. You can't phone it in. Say, why doesn't Jesus just give it to me? If it's a gift, why doesn't he just give it to me? Because he prefers intimacy. If you want to understand the one thing that is the driving point of everything, you say, I want to know the heart of God. I'm going to give it to you. Intimacy. Intimacy. But not just intimacy laying around in like a loving romance all the time. It's intimacy where you are known to him and he is known to you. And you know what your father wants and your father knows who you are and you know who he is and you know what he wants. It's not just, you know, the church's even convoluted intimacy where we just lay out on the, I'm all in on laying out on a carpet and worshiping Jesus in intimacy. And so don't get me wrong on that. But it's a little bit more than that. It's the communal aspect of our lives. God wants communion. It, whatever, man, everything flows through communion. 
Say, what does that look like? Look at your wife. If that woman knows you love her, she'll give you everything in the world. And all the ladies said. I got one woman that says amen. Is that it? If Woman, if you know you're loved, is there anything you would hold back? No. No. It's just, that's the heart of their father. The heart of a father is reflected in both the male and the female. And one of the things is when the intimacy and the communion with the, with the Lord happens, it just everything opens up. Ladies, when the communion and the love happens, when you're bonded with love and heart, what happens? Come on. Woo, it all opens up, doesn't it? Right? It's true. So we have to come before the king. It says, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. That's a great statement. Sounds like a poem. Let me break it down to you. Come boldly. What does this mean? It means come with confidence of speech and freedom of movement. What does that mean? You can come twirling before your father if you want to. You can come leaping. You can come confident knowing that what you say, he will have confidence in what you're going to say. He's not only going to hear you, he's not going to reject you by the way that you talk to him. He wants to commune with you. You have confidence in speech. I come before him and I know who I am. I come before him and I'm confident who I am. I come before him with the freedom of movement. You know, I'm not like peeking in the door. You know what I mean? Is it okay to come in? Is it okay to pray? Is it okay? Is it okay? You know, are you in a good mood, Jesus? You feeling like helping me today? I don't know. Is it okay? I don't know if God's in a good mood. I don't know if I, my guilt and my shame. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, you come with the freedom of movement. Come, come boldly before God. That's what it means. Through the throne. We, say, we don't come before an altar. We come before a throne. Church has got this fixation with an altar. The sacrifice has been paid. Christ is risen. We don't come before the altar. We come before the seat of authority. Come on. We're not coming to weep and lament at the altar. You know, weep between the porch and the altar. Again, no Testament economy. I get it. Compassion for the lost. I understand it. I'm all in on that. But I'm not coming crying and asking God. I'm coming before him as a father who tells me to ask of him and he will give me the nations. He doesn't say beg of me. He said ask of me and I will give you the nations, Kevin. Ask of me and I will give you that school. Ask of me and I will give you that city. Ask of me and I will give you that land. Ask of me and I will give that to you. As my son, as my daughter, ask of me. Ask. Go big. Go big. Most of the time he's going to tell you your vision's too small and we think we think it's small numerically. No, it's wrong. It's small in scope. What you're asking him for, give me the city. Jesus is like, I don't want to give you the city. I'm like, well, why not? Because he goes, I want to give you the nations. <laughs> Will you give up the city and go for the nations, Kevin? Will you stop focusing on the city and focus on the nations? I'm like, if you tell me to. <laughs> we have people, I just told you, we have people in Newcastle. We have people in Australia that watch us. Doesn't look like it. Well, it's happening. All in the last year and a half. Why? Because I'm like, give me the city. He's like, I'm not giving you the city. I'm like, what? You're not, you're not gonna give me the city, Jesus. Ah! He doesn't love me. I gotta move. He said he's not giving me the city. I'm like, why? He said, I'll give you the nations. I'll give you the nations. I've got a guy here, he's connected to about 10 church networks. He came to me and he said, I really feel like God is telling me to connect you to all these church networks that I'm a part of. He said, I feel like you, this church can influence them. I'm like, all right. Did I ask for that? No. I asked, and he told me this. Was your vision too small? He's like, your, your vision's too small in scope. Where's your faith? Where's your faith, Christian? What are you asking him for? What are you asking him for? <laughs> I want a wife. I want a husband. Okay, that's fine, too. Ask him for that. Ask of me. Ask of me, and I will give to you. Ask of me. I don't come begging at an altar. I don't come. I don't, I hold my homes to the altar. Oh, God. 
I come but as a son before the throne of my father with boldness and courage and determination and fortitude of will. With you, Lord, I can take nations. With myself, I don't think I can take, a, I don't think I can take my own household, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> By myself, I'm having a hard time keeping my laundry done. But with you, you know, we can take nations. Mercy is this word ilios, so that we may obtain mercy. This is, again, I don't know where the context of this was translated. If you look at it in the Greek, the Greek word is ilios. This is not a word that is ever translated for mercy. It's not the word. This word ilios means covenant loyalty. Come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, that we may be demonstrated covenant loyalty, that God may demonstrate to you that he is who he says he is. That it also means covenant fidelity. Come boldly before the throne of grace that God may give to you what you ask and that God may demonstrate to you the faithfulness of his covenant in time of need. It's your carry-on. So we get the word kairos is rooted in there. And it means in the moment, in the time of need. The word is in carry-on, in the moment. Come to him any time, in the moment, in the moment, that he may demonstrate to you covenant loyalty. The moment of what? The moment of change. The, oper- the moment of opportunity. The strategic moment. The critical moment. Come boldly. Come boldly in every moment. Then this word help, bothio, <laughs> boethio is how it's kind of pronounced. I, I, it's difficult to pronounce, but it's a cool word, or it's a cool meaning. It means cords, and it says that he may give us help. And what it means is boethio means he drops down cords. Why would he drop down cords? So you come to Jesus, and you say, Lord, I need help, and he drops you a cord. Why? Because he expects you to grab the cord and pull on your inheritance. He expects you to grab the cord and pull from his world into yours. This is what he's, at. This is what he's giving you. you. You come to Jesus and go, I need help. And he goes, Boethio. And you got about five cords that drop down. He drops you down the cord of a promise. He drops you down the cord of his inheritance. He drops you down the cord of remembrance. Remember what I did for you before, Kevin? Yeah, I do. Grab that cord and pull because I'll do it again. Right? You hear my promise? You see what my promise says? Grab that promise and pull because I'm going to fulfill it. This is the point. This is who we are. This is the translation that we have to understand. This is what it's saying. We come to God and, oh, God, I'm in need. I'm in need. You're in need? Boethio. Pull, Kevin. Pull. We're fishers, not tree planters. I tell you this all the time. Why did Jesus say fish? Because fishing is pulling from one world into another. That's the, that's the spiritual concept. You're going to be fishers. You're going to learn how to pull from one world into another on earth as it you get the, you get, you're getting the storyline now, aren't you? You're starting to understand it. So here's a, here's a translation. Let us come boldly with confidence of speech and freedom of movement before the throne of our Father, where his spiritual power is always moving towards us in love. There we will activate the faithfulness of his covenant, and we will always find him loyal. He will release to us the cord of our inheritance as we seek him in the critical, strategic, opportune, and changing moments of life. There's, there's Hebrews 4.16 in a new translation right there. That's coming out of the substance of the original. So we come to God. We have to come before him. The Bible says, are my people home, home-born slaves? Are you a slave? Why are you plundered? Verse 17, have you not brought this upon yourselves? Because you have forsaken me. You have walked away from me. And all I was trying to do is lead you, the verse says. Can a young woman forget her jewelry? Or will a bride not adorn herself on her wedding day? Yet my people have forgotten me and do not come to me days without number. He's saying, are you slaves? The answer to the question is no. Then why are you plundered? Because you've forgotten me. 
You've not followed me. You won't walk with me. You won't go with me with the way it is. So the plundering has happened. And then what is he saying? He's saying if you want to stop being plundered, then start coming to me. My people don't come to me days without number. The word daily, we come daily before the throne of grace. Or we give us our, this daily bread. We have daily bread. Say it with me. I'm not a visitor. I'm an occupant. I'm not a guest. I'm an heir. I'm not a pauper. I'm a prince. Daily. You have it all the time. It's there. It's yours daily. You are not visiting this place. You occupy it. What he gives you is, is yours always. And the idea of daily is it's continual. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when you do. The provision is there. This is our father. This is how good he is. Heaven is not, nor will it ever be broke. Good luck. Happy day, right? Like, well, what if, what if, I run, what if heaven runs out of provision? It's not running out of heaven or provision. Say this with me. If Jesus doesn't have it, He's going to make it. <laughs> if there's no way out, he's going to make one. If I'm surrounded, he will surround what surrounds me. You can't lose. You can't lose. <laughs> the word bread is the word artos, and it means loaf of provision. Give us this day our daily bread. You need wisdom, Marty? Here, have a loaf. You need provision? Have a loaf. So he gives you a loaf. <laughs> you need an opportunity? Have a loaf. Can I have five? And the Lord's like, five? You want a truck? Gabriel, go get him a truck. Load that truck up. Bring it over here. He wants a truck. Give him a truck. There's plenty. He's got a loaf. He doesn't have a slice. He's got a whole loaf, man. <laughs> He's a loaf dealer, man. It means sustaining ability. So your provision is the sustaining ability of your life always. God's promise of provision is your sustaining ability. He will sustain you. Happy day. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. But not only will you be sustained, God will provide for the higher purposes of your life. When we ask for daily bread, we're asking and even in concert. Sometimes you're moving forward. And the daily bread is what do I need right now? Okay, preschool. We're trying to move this preschool forward. We've been at an impasse. We've been praying into this thing for like ever. Lord, what do we need? We need to move this lease forward. We had the lease, but they've had problems with the city. So we're like, we need to get these people. So we've been praying into it, praying into it. And then it comes to our attention that the per there's been a person that's been objectionable on their board. So what do we do? Whoever's objecting to this thing, uh, you know, we start praying into that. And lo and behold, after two years of trying to get these people to move this preschool forward, Without us being involved at all, we've just been waiting on them. I told them several times, but I just told them a couple months ago, I go, you guys have been driving the bus for two years. Can you let us drive it for six months? I go, can you give us a six-month opportunity to see if we can resolve this with the county and get this thing done? Because I know we can. And um, the, they finally give in. And then it comes to find out that the person that's been objectionable to us the entire time on their board is no longer on their board. I was like, oh, so what is it that we need? What is the impasse? And we're beginning to pray the provision into the impasse. What do you need? I need an open door. Lord, you've given me all of this opportunity, but I haven't had a deal that would close. I need deals that will close. What will take you to the next level, right? Okay, if you're, uh, uh, Connie, I just heard you say amen, so you just came to my mind. So if like, for in her instance, is a realtor, right? She doesn't need, she doesn't need, she needs to, to, the power of that industry is in listings. So begin to believe God that you're going to be the listing queen. Begin to believe God that you're going to be the closing queen. That every deal you touch closes. Every deal you touch, every deal you, you are the listing queen. And you're not taking buyers to them. People are bringing buyers to you. 
Begin to believe God for the daily provision. And you begin to say, Lord, this is what I'm believing you for. And I'm believing you for opportunity. You begin to put your faith on the supplication and begin to believe him for this type of stuff. Do you know your purpose? I didn't even get to this. I got to come back to this. Just the second service. I thought, I'm getting to purpose today in second service. I'm going to get there. I only have four slides, man. So I thought this is going to be a breeze, but it doesn't happen. So anyway, let's just say this. So God will provide for your, he will provide for your sustaining power of your life. It's there for you. You don't have to worry. You just have to ask for it. You have to ask for it. He will give you your provision. Am I right? Do you need a job? Ask. Ask. Ask higher. Ask higher. Whatever it is that you need, begin to ask. God will give you your sustaining power. I'll bring it right home. I need to love my wife. I need sustaining power to love my life. I need Jesus to love her through me because I'm insufficient with what I'm called to do. Whatever it is, that's my daily provision. I need to see her as Jesus sees her. I need to see my children as Jesus sees them. That's a daily thing. I can ask for that provision. I can ask for the wisdom to, to, to fulfill the role that I hold. I can ask for that. That's a daily thing. That's something that's available to me anytime. But then there's the higher purpose. What's the higher purpose? All of you have a higher purpose. That's important to know. And we'll come back to it, but you have a higher purpose. God will not just give you the sustaining purpose. If you, have, if you feel that God has given you a higher purpose, you can, do, you can have a higher purpose in your family. You can have a higher purpose in your neighborhood. You can have a higher place in your job. It's all relative. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm going to you know, go to the continent of Africa and I'm going to win the whole continent. That continent of Africa, that's my high purpose. Well, your high purpose may be to raise godly children. Your high purpose may be an influence around the 10, 12, 15 people that are in your immediate circle. But there's a higher purpose for you, and God will give you the higher purpose. Believe God. Some of you need to believe, God, that you're going to see five or six people come to Jesus this year. Yeah. 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 Believe God. So what's the provision? Give me the names, Lord. Start praying over them. Open their hearts. Give me the opportunity. Begin let God start drawing you through those, through those places. Begin to put your faith on it. Be specific and be tenacious. And we're going to do a prayer, right? So I just, okay, so I'm going to make this one verse, and then we're going to do this prayer, Okay. The prayer is a model of how to pray for provision. This isn't like the exhaustive model. This isn't necessarily how I pray it all the time. It's just like a short version just to give you some kind of a framework of how you can pray, like give us this day our, our daily bread. So that part of the prayer. So Jesus says this, the, time, the kingdom of heaven is being preached. Therefore, everyone can press into it. So you have to press into the kingdom, Christian. We preach kingdom here. So what happens is when the kingdom is preached understanding opens so the but you have to go in and reach for what belongs to you right so when we preach the dominion and the bright and the inheritance of god you still have to press into it you still have to reach for it so we're going to do um this prayer of provision we're going to ask god for daily bread if you're not married well then just ask jesus to write you a prayer for a husband a wife or whoever if you want one if you don't want one then that's okay too but if you are i wrote it just basically in two contexts that we can we can do so we're going to ask for provision in relationship to our marriages and all the women went all the married women went yay right and then we're going to ask for uh provision or we're just going to give a guiding walk down uh provision in the marketplace which so if you would just kindly stand to your feet we're going to pray this prayer that's right amen and uh, I'll pray, I'll, I'll, I'll throw one in for the singles next time. I'm going to try to, like, what about the singles, man? Call out my husband, pastor. Call out my wife, man. Uh, let's just pray. So let's just say this. Father, I come boldly with confidence of speech and freedom of movement before you. And I receive 
the bestowment of your love and your spiritual power that is mine daily. I activate the power of the new creation that I am through the Holy Spirit. May my heart love you and seek you alone. May my will and my purposes be yours alone. May all that I am fade away and may that all that is of you come to fruition. It is your will that my marriage succeed and prosper. So I receive the fullness of love that is needed. I ask you to fill my heart with love for my spouse. Let me see her with your eyes. Give me the patience and the understanding that I need to be who you have called me within my household. And you can kind of pray the same thing over your children, just an example. And so then we're going to do this. It is your will that I walk in favor and success, that I am the head and not the tail. I ask for your guidance in the marketplace, that I would have the insight and the ability to succeed and to excel, that I would know what to do and I would know when to do it. Your word says, the hand of the diligent creates wealth. Let me be diligent and faithful in all that I do. May I serve others as I serve you. May I be a light in the marketplace. Provide me with the opportunities to reach those around me who are searching for you. Give me the words and the courage that is necessary to lay my life down for others that they may have an opportunity to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just an example. Come on. Yeah. Now let me pray over you. Let me just release over you the blessing. God commanded this blessing over his people. It's crazy. So it's like if it's good. And he told Aaron every time that you dismiss the people, you say this. And I thought, well, it's good enough for Aaron. It's good enough for me. So may the Lord bless you. He commands his blessing upon you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way, and may he give you peace, and may you forever live within his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you.